Good morning, everybody. I hope uh, that y'all are as excited as I am for today. I'm so glad to be here with y'all. Uh, praise the Lord for bringing us together. And I pray that we would continue uh, this new chapter in ministry together. As uh, I, I kind of view that as a new chapter in my personal endeavors and a, hopefully a new chapter for the church here. Uh, my wife and I are, uh, we, we left the eastern part of the state and came in here in the middle of the night on Sunday evening, last Sunday evening, and we've been blessed ever since we got here, and we look for nothing less than that in the future. So uh, uh, I do want to thank you all, the ones that were able to come out and uh, help us get our things out of the truck and get settled in here. And uh, I know that uh, some uh, intended to come or would, wanted to come but just weren't available. But I just thank you all as a whole. It was the smoothest move ever for us because it happened so quick. I don't even remember stuff being put in the truck, and I don't remember half of it taken out of the truck. So we're, we're, we're happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, that was, that was one of the, <laughs> we were putting the table from the house because we were changing it out with our dining room table. And when they arrived, we were throwing stuff in the truck. And they're like, change your mind already? And it was just, it was awesome. It was a great moment. And uh, y'all didn't know this, but right here in, when we had Bible study this morning, there was actually a moving truck that turned around in the driveway. And I'm sitting back thinking, are y'all packing my stuff up already? <laughs> I, was just, I wasn't thinking that. It was just funny to me that it was happening like that. But look, we, we, we're, we're settled in as best as we can for now with the little minor things that we're going to take care of. But we're going to, next week, we're hoping to get around to uh, talking to everybody and seeing everybody uh, officially. And I also want to appreciate, uh, appreciate y'all that uh, the, the girl that's down at the hospital, she, her family lives in Martin County. And uh, we just happened to get here in the same time she had that accident. And we know the people out there, so it's good that we're able to come down there and be with them when they're away from their home and they don't know anybody out here, and they know us. So you guys being uh, their church right now is, is, a, is a blessing to them. And just your prayers are appreciated, and they're constantly giving me updates and talking to me on the phone. And I'll be down there again this afternoon with communion for the family, so just I want you to know that God is using you already in, in ways that you probably don't even know. Uh, I know that uh, this church has been a blessing to this community for uh, however long y'all have been around, and uh, we, we look forward to more of the same. And uh, before I take up all my preaching time, I'm going to get into the sermon here in a minute. And uh, we're in First Corinthians, uh, excuse me, First Thessalonians, chapter one. Having said all of that, I want to invite you to look at our new chapter together in a way that we would maybe do some evaluations on a personal level. And also as a church, as a whole, I believe that God brings people to different congregations the where he wants them to be and where he can use them to his purposes and for his reasons. And every congregation has its own personality. Even though we're all believers, we're all saved by the same uh, blood, we're all believing the same Christ, and we all have the same mission when it comes down to making disciples. But when you go to different churches around the world, even here in this community, it's going to be a different personality. We, we'll do things differently, and that's the way God has it. That's, that's, that's him having his way. So our goal now is to figure out, since we're here, my wife and I, we're going to come here and we're going to add to what you already have going. 
and we're going to try to work together as a body of believers and we're going to try to be the witness in this community, I hope, and we're going to try to honor God the best we can with everything that we do, okay? And I'm not going to stand up here and say that I have all the answers as to how to do that. That's why we pray together, and that's why we seek the Lord's will together, right? And as long as we do that together, all of our uh, similarities will, will work just fine together, and all of our differences will work just fine together, all right? So we're going to look today at a church the Thessalonians, the, the Christians in, in, in Thessalonia that, that Paul was describing in first chapter. Uh, and we're going to go through that and we're going to look at that as what would be like a model, a model church, right? If there was ever a model to go and like look at yourself over and maybe look at the church and say, we should be like more like that church, this would be one of those churches. Now we all know, I hope we all know that there is not a perfect church anywhere. Right. And that's the reason why every time I see uh, someone in a church uh, worship service, something happens that wasn't scheduled or something didn't go exactly the way that they had planned it. And you have to make an adjustment. I think that's great because it shows anybody who might be visiting that we're not perfect and we're just doing the best we can. As long as we try to be excellent in honoring God and worshiping God, I think we're going to hit the mark. And excellent is different than perfect. Excellent is giving your best, loving the Lord with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul, right? And God makes up the difference. So if, we, if we're all in agreement on that, I think we're already ahead of, the, ahead of the program here. So I want to read you a poem about the perfect church, and then we're going to get into the scripture uh, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1. The poem goes like this. If you should find the perfect church without one spot or sore, for goodness sake, don't join that church, for it wouldn't be perfect anymore. If you should find the perfect church where all the anxieties cease, then pass it by, lest you join it and mar the masterpiece. But since no perfect church exists with perfect women and men, let's stop looking for that church and start loving the church that we're in. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? I mean, it, it brings it all. Hopefully no one here is uh, in the category of looking for the perfect church. And hopefully no one here is uh, believing that you're in the perfect church. And if that is the case, I hope that I uh, just bursted that bubble for you. Because that is not healthy, is it? <laughs> it's okay to not be perfect. That's why we need Jesus, right? And thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his grace and his forgiveness and his love. And that's who we are. We're people who live by faith because we're loved by God. And that's, that's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing to realize. And once, you, once we could ever get to that place, we would be so much better off. So I pray that uh, we would be the kind of church that uh, would honor God in our imperfections, but in our efforts. And that we would be the kind of church together that would be the model church for other churches. And what that means is we're learning from other churches and we're teaching other churches. In other words, we're doing our best to honor God by who we are and what we do. Okay? So keep that in mind as we read through. There's going to be a few things that we can look at, uh, a few things that Paul pointed out about this church that maybe we can use as a, a guide to, to the future of our church. Right? And, I, and I, I'm, 
it's not, it's not hard for me to get used to the fact of calling Oak Grove Christian Church our church because my wife and I, the first, uh, second night we were, we were here, we realized, okay, we're in the mountains now. It just like happened overnight. And, uh, and it's great because we didn't see it coming and the Lord just made it happen and here we are and we're excited. I'm excited to work for the Lord. I'm excited to honor God with you. All right, so I'm gonna pray for y'all and I'm gonna ask y'all to pray for me and my wife that we would do, do what we're here to do. So we're looking at uh, verse three, okay? And the first thing that we're gonna look at is what the model church, the first thing that is necessary, they're not in a certain order, but the first thing we can look at is that they were uh, a model church because of their faithful service, all right? Green button, right? Or the arrow, let me see. Arrow, gotcha. So, verse 3 says, we continually, remember before, uh, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, just one verse, and it talks about many important things that every church should uh, have in their uh, in their heart, in their foundation of who they are. All right, it's, it talks about how that their faith worked. Right, they're not working for their salvation, but because of their 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 their, their faith, because of who what they believe, they begin to work. They begin to do things. What they believe about God and what they believe about Jesus, what they believe about uh, the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made and, and, their, and their faith in that instigated some effort on their part, instigated some work in their community. They were able to take action for the proper purposes, not just for doing the right things, but because they believe that Jesus is the Christ and because they believed that his sacrifice was good enough for the sins of all men, they were able to do the things that they did in their community. And they were able to be the witness for the kingdom of God in their community. In fact, as we read along some more here in a minute, we're going to see that everyone around their community, and even in other communities, heard about them because of who they are and what they believed and how they lived. Right? Isn't that the goal for Oak Grove? That, that the people that live around us would know God. Not just know who He is or know about Him, but actually meet God in a genuine way so that they would get their lives changed in a way that brings them to salvation. And if they're already saved, that they would continue to grow in Christ and be more valuable to the kingdom of God. For what purpose? The ultimate purpose is to, is to glorify God. Everything is about glorifying God. Even yours and my salvation is about God's glorification. Because God can take a guy like me, who was just an old truck driver, right, building houses, not, not, a, not a bad guy, but ultimately not a good guy according to God's standards, right? And he can, because of the blood of Christ, he can change what was broken and make it whole. I'm no different than anybody else in this room or in this world. And, there, and there's a bunch of people that's living in the world that don't know God. And because of our faith, we can be a part of God's kingdom and enter, insert God into their life just by our faith and what it produces in our life. So it's faithfulness. 
The faithful service. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things for churches around the world. Right? There's a lot of active people. There, there's some people that, that might come to church and then that's all they do. But there's other people that do some and go on about their business. And there's other people that are there all the time. There's other people that do missions around the world and do work for the kingdom every day of their life. I don't think that there's a right or wrong in any of it. I think we're seeking the Lord for what our part is. Right? But here's the bottom line. If we're not working for the kingdom, if we're, our lives are not working toward bringing people closer to God, then we have to look at our faith. Is it really genuine or not? If everything that we're about is not about introducing people to the kingdom of God and the salvation that's provided through Jesus, we have to evaluate what is our faith about. Is it genuine? Is it real? Is it causing us to be different? Is it causing us to grow? It also says that there's a love that labored, right? It's because of the love that God gave to them and the love that they had for God and one another, they were willing to go through sacrifices so that someone else can be saved, so that someone else could know God. So here's the question we can ask ourselves. How much are we willing to go through for someone else to know that Jesus is the Christ and that they don't have to be lost in their sin? How much are we willing to suffer if, if God should lead us down that road? What are we willing to give up or sacrifice for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel? How uncomfortable are we willing to get as a church, as a family, in our homes, so that our neighbors can know that Jesus is the Christ. You can't make anybody get saved. You all, you all know that. But it's our responsibility to present God to the world at, at all costs. And whatever it takes, we're going to present God to the world so that they can have the opportunity to say yes or no. Right? Of course, we don't enter into sin to do those things. But we do anything and everything that's possible to present the Lord to the world. Sometimes it's hard to love, isn't it? There's some people in the world that are just hard to love. Now, before you say amen, and by the way, it's okay to say amen if you agree with anything that we're preaching up here. But before you say amen, we have to say to ourselves, sometimes it's hard for me to be loved by others because of the way I am. Right? Sometimes, you can ask my wife, sometimes it's hard to love me. She's great. She, she goes everywhere I go. We do everything together. She loves me, but I know, I'm convinced, I'm, I'm, I probably can come up with some evidence that there are times in the last 20, almost 21 years that I've been hard to love. We're not perfect people. We're just, per we're just people that are saved by grace. Right? And all we're trying to do is show the world that they too can join in with what God's got going on. Right? Isn't that great? Isn't it? That's how easy the Christian life is. We make it too hard sometimes. So the next thing he says, there's a hope that endured, right? What are they hoping for? What, were, what was this church hoping for? They knew from the teaching that Paul gave them and others that, that, that Jesus would come back. That all of this plan of God was, was there and it, and it was God's plan and it's a perfect plan. Not only is there uh, forgiveness and grace, and it's free to those who accept it by faith, by trusting God, right? You can't earn it. You can't make it. You can't buy it. You just have to believe God. You have to say, okay, God's got a plan to fix this. It's all in Genesis chapter 3. Everything was broken, right? And God said, you're not going to fix it. I'm going to fix this. 
So then when we come to uh, the Gospels, we see how he fixed it. And we say, okay, it's God's plan. Well, God's plan is that everybody is... Uh, of, uh, Everybody can be saved by the blood of Christ. But also God's plan is one day Jesus will come back and it'll all be over. It'll all be done. And no one's going to change their mind at that point, whether they want to or not. No one will ever say to God, I didn't know. I didn't have a chance. No one told me. Right? The question is, are we going to be a part of what God's doing right now? Are we going to be a part of the gospel message going around the world? Because the reality is that God has orchestrated this congregation to be here in this moment. So that we can go into this community and show people that God is real. And that God loves everybody. And that Jesus died so that we can be reconciled to him. And it's up to them. It's up to us to say yes or no to that. Right? I believe that many of you here are saved, believe that Jesus is the Christ, been baptized, right? But maybe there's, I don't know everybody in here, so maybe there's somebody here that's not saved. So I would encourage you to pay attention because uh, this hope that they had is that Jesus would come back. And nobody knows when that's going to happen. And I might not be able to finish this sermon before that happens. I want to know, if, I wonder if you believe that or not. How often do you think about when, when is Jesus coming back? We say that we know that Jesus is coming back and we believe he'll come back one day, but do we live like it might not ever happen? Do we live every moment, every day like he's not, even though we say we believe he is? I think most people get into the habit of living as if tomorrow's just going to happen. So we have to be people who live in faith, a faithful service to the kingdom of God. This congregation needs to be the example to the world of how to live in faithful service to the kingdom of God. Whatever it takes to get the gospel out there, to get people introduced to God in a genuine way. The next thing, this church, they were a model church because they were receptive to the Lord. They were receptive to the teaching. They were receptive to his love, his grace, his ways. There was no argument. This is the way the Lord wants it, so this is the way they lived. Let's look in verse 4 to, ver to verse 6. It says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of the severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the, here's the issue with at least the churches in our part of the world. I believe that we live in such freedom, which is great and awesome, and I'm grateful for, right? Because there's a lot of men and women that sacrifice for that. I'm an American just because God allowed me to be born here. I'm not, I didn't do anything to become an American citizen, right? But I enjoy the freedoms of that because of the other people that served. But ultimately, we can become spoiled because of those freedoms, can't we? 
when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to living for the kingdom of God. So we have to realize that first we're citizens of the kingdom of God first. Citizens of America second. And we'll be doing better off. Not to lessen our citizenship. Not, I'm, I'm, I love our country, but I love God more. Right? And if we don't have that mentality, we're, we're, mix, we're mixing it up. You see, the, the Thessalonians, they, they were living in a world where there was many other gods. The Greeks were teaching them about their gods, and they were, worshiping, they were used to worshiping these other gods. And the, the message came, the gospel came, and they made some adjustments. Because they, they said to themselves, if this is true, then we've got to live this way. We can't live that way. So they, they were receptive to the Lord. How, how, many have you ever, how many have ever read the, the Bible in your Bible study, and you sit back, and you're almost a little bit upset because of what it said? Right? Be honest with yourself. I don't know how many times I've studied this Bible and I sit back and I'm upset because I have to stop doing something that I love to do. Or I have to start doing something that I've not really wanted to do. That's the kingdom of God. It's not the same as who we are in this world. The kingdom of God is different. That's the reason why when Jesus came and started teaching his teachings, everybody wanted to kill him. Because it was turning the world upside down. And if you really look at what the world is doing based on what the kingdom of God wants us to do, you'll see that it's not the same. That's why we have so much conflict. That's why so many people don't like the Christians. That's why Christianity is in danger of being shut down in the public places. Wouldn't you all agree with that? All right. So when Paul preached, look what happened. We just read, when Paul preached, he says the Holy Spirit was moved, was moving with great power, right? Now, if you understand your salvation, and I trust that you do, I have no reason to think that you don't, but if you understand your salvation, it says that we're supposed to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts chapter 2, so that we can receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit of God that we're to keep in, st in step with so that we can work for the kingdom of God, so that we can uh, be, have faithful service to our Lord. We can't do this in our own strength. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes lives. And if someone walks into this church, right, and we say to them, you need, you, you, you need to come and hear about this God. We want you to come and worship with us. What are we inviting them to? Are we inviting them to ourselves or are we inviting them to God? I, I, I hope that we're inviting them to the presence of God. And I pray that not just because uh, we're special, because we're just regular people, right? But it's because the Spirit of God is active in our lives. And if He's active in our homes, it's automatic here, isn't it? If it doesn't happen at home, it will not happen here. Right? We're not just Christians on Sunday morning. Everybody can say amen right there. Now, I'm going I'm to let you know a, a little secret. Sometimes I put dramatic pauses in here in my sermons. That's a, that's a clue that you can say amen every now and then. <laughs> just, just trying to help you all out. Because I know we all believe it's pretty much the same, right? It's okay. I, I love it when we agree on what the truth is. But it's the Spirit of God that does it all. We can, we can be... We can do everything the Bible tells us to do, but if we're doing it in our own strength, we're not going to do it right. And, and if we don't have the, the, the strength of God's Spirit, people will not meet God when they come here. They'll meet us, 
And they'll say there's a bunch of nice people over there, but they will not meet God, and they most likely won't come back. But when someone comes into the presence of God, it changes their life, and they have a decision to make. Right? But it starts way before they ever come here. Right? Because wherever you go, if you have the Spirit of God living in you, you're bringing the presence of God with you. And when people meet you out in the community, they'll meet God. They'll meet one of God's agents, one of God's ambassadors. And they're going to want to know more. That guy, that person right there, that lady over there, there's something different. I want to know what it is. Because they got something I don't have and I need it and I want to know what it is. And they start investigating. And they start coming around the people of God and they get more exposed to the Spirit of God and God changes their life. Right? Sometimes, sometimes I say that the kingdom of God kind of works like the mafia. He offers a, a deal that you can't refuse, right? Once you get in the presence of God, how can you say no to that without being totally lost in your sin? It's not going to happen too many more times where you can't resist, is it? I don't know how many times somebody came to me over my lifetime and said, you need the Lord. And I would have told you early on that it didn't happen. But now I've grown in Christ a little bit, and I've come to the realization that God was sending people my whole life to me. He was relentless in pursuing me until I couldn't resist him anymore. That's the way it works. That's what we're about. And we need the Spirit of God. All right. So they overcame all of the hardship, right? I, I don't know about you, but I hope that we're all willing to suffer to any length for someone else to be saved. As long as we know we're doing it for God and God is there, how can we lose? Right? And now there's people around the world that you know and I know that we hear about that are suffering greatly in, in almost grotesque ways so that other people can know Christ. So we need to pay attention to the Spirit. So I pray that uh, we will all be attentive to the Spirit of God. Galatians tells us that we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Not run in head, not, not be behind, but keep in step. Go wherever, wherever God leads us, let's go there. And let's seek Him together. So now I'm going to ask you all to pray for your preacher that I would do the same. And how I preach, when I come and pray for you all, when we have fellowship, when I'm out in the community. Because once the community finds out I'm the preacher here at this church, how I live... And how I stay close to the Spirit of God is going to make a big impact on the name of this church, isn't it? So I'm going to ask you all to pray for me. I need it. Because I'm just like you guys. I'm just a human being. Right? So as long as we're praying for each other, we're good to go, aren't we? All right. And I appreciate that. Now the third thing. Their evangelistic influence for the Lord. Now all of these things lead up to this. This church had such an influence in the community that it became what we call evangelistic. Evangelism is, all that is, is outreach. Going out into the community and bringing them in. Right? That's the ultimate goal. So, we're going to read uh, verses 7 through 10, and then we're going to be close to finished after that, in case anybody's wondering. Verse, it's okay, it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> uh, verse 7 it says, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Notice he says a model. He didn't say you, you became the perfect church. You became the right way to do it. 
Because we all know that there's more, more than one way to skin a cat, right? So every church can do it different as long as we're honoring God. Right? So he said, you became a model to all the believers. Says the Lord's message rang out from you, and not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Isn't, isn't that what we want said about Oak Grove Christian Church and the people that worship there? Those people really believe God. Those people worship God. Those people really do have a spirit of God. And not just people in Arden, and not just people in Asheville or Fletcher, but people in Hendersonville, people in Greenville, South Carolina, on the other side of the mountain need to know that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. Right? They're not going to believe it just because we say it. They're going to believe it because that's how we live. And it's not going to be just one or two families that go to this church that do it. It's going to be all of us together. And some people on this side of the room might do it different than some people on this side of the room. And the same with all the rest of us. Each home lives for Christ in different ways because God created us with different personalities and different gifts, spiritual gifts and talents. And then he brings us all together to serve together. Only God can do that in a way that makes the gospel ring out into the community, right? So we don't have to try hard to go out and bring people to church. What we have to do is try hard to submit to God and his spirit and let him do the work in us. And you will see that God will bring people to you. And you're going you're gonna to be amazed at what God can do just through your little witness, your little, your little life. People are going to come to you and start asking you questions, and you're going to have to be ready to answer them. Why do you believe what you believe? How could, why are you so faithful to this God? How do you know that Jesus is the Christ? And the question is, do you know the answers to those things? You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be ready to talk about it. You need to be ready to show them who God is. The good news is, is the Spirit of God is, does all the work, right? I was so relieved when I found out that the Spirit of God is what does all the work because that means I don't have to do much. I just have to trust Him, right, and be obedient be, and, and submit to that. So it says, in, going on in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you and not, uh, what does it say, uh, not only in Macedonia, but Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. No one needs to brag about a church that loves God. The community will just know that that church loves God. Right? People will come. Verse 9 says, For they themselves report what kind of uh, reception you gave us. They, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait... For his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the, the coming wrath. And there it is. The gospel is urgent, isn't it? It's very urgent. There's, there, there's a few different kinds of Christians in the world. If I want to generally sum it up, there are Christians who are madly in love with God and genuine with their, in their relationship with the Spirit of God. And they're very effective in the kingdom of God. Not because of who they are, but because of who God is. And then there's other Christians who are saved, but they become a little bit complacent. Right? They do enough. Right? They're not overly excited about 
other people's salvation, but they do love the Lord, and they do serve when they have time. And then there's another type of Christian who, those are the ones that are standing on the side of the road with their free bus ticket to heaven, and that's it. Because they, they, they know that they have said that Jesus is the Christ, they might, might have even been baptized, and they believe that they're going to heaven, they got theirs, and that's it, that's all there is to it. And sadly, Jesus said himself, there's going to be some that come to me and I'm going to say to them, I don't know you. And what he means is, we didn't have a relationship. I don't know who you are. And that, that particular truth ought to raise the hair on the back of your neck for just a second. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. It's a scary thought, isn't it? It's a scary thought that somebody in this world might stand before God one day and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. Get away from me. Can you imagine hearing that from your Lord, our Lord? Can you imagine? The saddest thing in this world, I think, is someone who lives their life believing that they're saved by the blood of Christ and they're not. Because they misunderstood what salvation is about and they misunderstood what the kingdom of God is about. That's why I say your salvation is not about you. You get the benefits of it, but it's not about you. Because now the world gets to see you and say, look what was broken and look what God fixed. Isn't that awesome? You are a testimony to the kingdom of God and the power of God and the love of God. Each one of you are. Even those who aren't saved are a testimony to that. The gospel is urgent. Church is not about anything less than honoring God and worshiping the one who's holy, the one who did not have to reconcile you to himself. He didn't have to do anything to, keep, to spare you from the consequences of your sin. He chose to save you through the blood of Christ because he loves you. Isn't that awesome? That was a dramatic pause right there. I can't, even, I can't ever get over my salvation. Because the worst thing about hell is that God is not there. I don't care what it looks like. You can read in the scripture the descriptions that might be used to describe a place like, called hell. But the worst thing about hell is an eternity without God, never being in contact with him again. Then there's the other side of the coin. There's Jesus. And there's salvation. There's reconciliation to a holy God who's perfect in every way. And he knows he's perfect. And he loves you even though you're imperfect. And here's this church that we can read about and they're saying, hey, we're just a bunch of people that are saved by God's grace through Christ on a cross who don't deserve it. Are we that church? I hope we're going to be that church. I hope, I hope that together we're going to show the world what it means to live like we're saved. The Christians ought to be the most excited, most joyful people in the world. Even when we're suffering. This, this, this family that we're praying for over here at the hospital love the Lord with all their heart. And they have already witnessed to a lot of people in that hospital they're hurting, they're crying, they're tired, 
But all they talk about is how good God is. All they talk about is the hope they have in the presence of God. Even though their daughter is lying in this hospital bed, she loves the Lord, and they know it. She's come out here by herself, and she's witness to all her friends just by being who she is. And now she's in a hospital, pretty bad off. I wish we could be a fly on the wall to see everything that God has done just in that moment. Because it's easy to praise God and live for God when things are great, isn't it? But when we live for God every day and get in the habit of loving him every day no matter what, when the bad things happen, it's automatic. And we will be like the church that we read about today. We will be faithful servants. And we will receive what God has for us no matter what it's like. And we will be an evangelistic power for the kingdom of God. Right? It's all about people coming to meet God. And if you're going to invite people to church, what you really need to be inviting them to is the presence of God. This is where the believers get together to worship a holy God. And we do it every Sunday morning. Excuse me, every Sunday morning, right? And if you don't do it with your whole life every other time, then you're not going to do it well here. Right? I, I, love, I love reading out of the Bible, and I love preaching out of the Bible. But what I love the most is watching people meet God. If you've ever encountered someone meeting God for the first time and falling in love with him and not really knowing what they're, what's going on, right? It's like, I don't know what's happening, but things are changing in my life. And sometimes you have to point it out to them. Yeah, that's God. That's God moving in your life. Anyone who's a believer knows what I'm talking about. I'm going to finish up. this thing here. The model church. Faithful service, receiving the Lord, and evangelistic influence in our community. I pray that that's who we are, and I pray that's who we will become in the future more so. I pray that the Lord would have his way with us, and I pray that God would use all of us to change the lives of the people that live around us. And I pray that God will have his way with us all, whether we like it or not. You have to say that, don't you? Because when we say God, that we pray that God will have our way, his way, sometimes we imagine that his way is just like our way, and it's not always the same, is it? It's not always the same. So let's take note of the Christians in Thessalonica. Let's ask ourselves, well, we, uh, we will never be a perfect church, right? We can agree to that. So let's not even try Let's not even try to be the perfect church, right? Because it's not possible. Let's try to be the church that God wants us to be, all right? So we will, will we be a church that glorifies God? Will we be a church that receives the Lord and receives him the way he is? Because there's a lot of churches that have a different kind of God. They read the same Bible, but they change God to be the way they want him to be. And I, that's... That's missing the mark greatly. Will we be a church that receives the Lord? Will we be a ch the example to everyone in the world? Will we together with other believers represent the kingdom of God so that people can get saved? Is that what we're going to do? Will the, 
Will those who worship with us, will they come into this place or come into our homes? Will they meet God? Genuinely meet God? Not by what, so much what we say, but by who we are. How we love. How we have faith. How we forgive. How we have, offer grace. Sometimes even how we have disagreements. Christians can have disagreements. It's how we work those things out is what honors God. Those are the witnesses that God is looking for. Will we, meet, will we work together until Jesus comes? If you say yes, say amen, please. All right. If we're going to work together until Jesus comes, let's do that. And you know as well as I do, we might have a short time or we might have a lifetime to do that. But either way, the Spirit of God and His faithfulness will get us through and will persevere. We need to become a church of faith, love, and hope. 1 Corinthians chapter three, uh, 13 and 13 says this, And now these, th these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I don't know about you, there's been a lot of things in life that are tough to do. And you know it's the right thing to do because you know it's what God would have you do. And then you need to go do it. And that's going to be true in your lives individually, but it's also going to be true as a church. Right? I'm excited about what God's going to do with us. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the things that are possible here. I don't really, I, I couldn't say anything about what God has already done with you all except for the fact that this church has been here for a number of years, and I know that God didn't do nothing in that time. I know that some great things have happened because some of you are saved, right? So we're going to keep on. We're going to press on to the goal. We're going to continue to serve God in a way that honors Him, not in a way that makes us great, but in a way that honors God, in a way that introduces people to the Lord so that they can be saved, no matter what that means. No matter what that means. So before I do that, we need to stop and do one thing before we go any further together. If anybody in here, in this room, anybody who's part of this church or not, is not saved, that's where we start. That's where we start. If there's anybody here today who has never said to themselves, I need to make a decision about Jesus, if you believe that he is the Christ, if you believe that he's God's solution to the problem of sin, and that believing in him is what can have you be saved, then today is the day. Because you can't, you can't effectively serve the kingdom of God and be a representative of the kingdom of God if you're not part of the kingdom of God. And if we're going to move forward as a family, and we're going to love each other the way we should, and we need to pause in this moment. And we need to say, if you need to be saved, today's the day to do it. Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the first time he preached the gospel. It was awesome because he preached to thousands of people. And he, and he preached this whole long sermon. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that the people looked at him. It says they were cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Do you even know if you've ever been cut to the heart? Cut to the heart means convicted means that you realize that you're guilty of sinning against a holy God. 
a perfect God. You have rebelled against him. You have offended him. That's what sin is. The good news is God took care of that. Jesus, that's what, that's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? The birth of our Savior. And it goes together with Easter. You can't have Christmas without Easter, and you can't have Easter without Christmas. So when they were cut to the heart, look what they said. They said to Peter, the preacher, the preacher, he just laid it out there for him. He said, y'all are guilty, y'all killed him, and it's your fault. Don't blame on anybody else, it's your fault. And they were cut to the heart, and they said, what do we do? If you could ever be in the presence of somebody who's cut to the heart, and they say, what do I do about this? That's the moment. That is the moment. Because when they want to know what to do about it, you have the answer, don't you? Peter said, just repent. That means change. I mean, stop doing what you're doing and live some other way. Namely, the way that Jesus taught us to live. He said, just repent. It's okay. There's a, good, there's a solution to this. Nobody panic. God has made a way. Jesus. Stop living against God. Repent. And he says, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. The blood of Christ was spilled so that you and I can be forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Now you think, about, you think about how crazy the Christians are. We get joy and celebrate over the fact of this brutal murder. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But if you really understand what happened, it's amazing. Because the penalty for sin is death. And I've sinned way too many times I can't afford to pay it. I've only got one life. I can only pay for one sin. And that's probably still not good enough because I'm not clean. So I need a perfect man to pay for them all. And that was Jesus. So he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Why? So that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can begin to do everything that we just talked about. You can begin to be the ambassador for the kingdom of God and you can be used by God and ultimately so that God can point to you and say that person right there was a rebel and I pulled them out of their sin and I made them great. Isn't that a great God? Because what he could have done was just wiped us all off. He could have just said, forget it, I'm going to start over. They're all broken, I'm just gonna, let's just start over. Because he's God, he can do whatever he wants to do, but he loves you so much. He loves you too much to do that. Isn't it great to know that God loves you? I know that I'm hard to love at times. So it's great to know that God never stops loving me. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. And let me say something else to those who aren't saved. I'm no different than you. Nobody else in here is different than you. And it's hard to stand up and say, I'm a sinner. And I need God's grace. Because it means you have to humble yourself. No person in this world likes to say that they're wrong. Right? Nobody in here, nobody in here would ever say that they're wrong if they didn't have to, because that's human nature. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the, the whole problem, isn't it? If people don't meet God, they'll never come to that place where they're cut to the heart. We're going to sing a song. I guess we're going to sing a song, right? We're going to sing a song together. And if we're singing this song together, I would like for you to Reflect on what you've been saved from. I would like for you to reflect on the love of God. I would like for you to reflect on the fact that you were saved, not only to be saved and be reconciled to a holy God, but so that you can be a witness to the kingdom of God. 
to the world. To the world. 